the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan subscribe and drive no deposit no compromise no fuss find out more at nissan.ie very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy with you until 7 o'clock. I'm delighted to say that Baz Ashmawi is my guest for the Thursday interview this week. Baz, how are you? I'm rock and roll. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. I'm good. Um, Baz isn't your real name, is it? No. So it, the real name was Ahmed Basil Mohammed Yusri Abu Ismail Ashmawi is the real name. Which, which didn't catch on. <laughs> yeah. But even the Basil... Like, my gran couldn't even say that growing up. So that was... She used to call me Vazel and then my mum called me Baz... And next thing you know, you're a 46 year old man called Baz, which isn't isn't great, but <laughs> but that's just kind of stuck, you know. Um, like was it Baz in the whole way through school, or did did teachers? It was always the name? it was always Baz. It was it always became it 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 just locked in, and it just became Baz. And then even now, people would on the street would the odd time shout Barry at me. They they're trying to be polite, and they go, "All right, Barry," because oh, they presume yes, it's it's yes. Barry, you know. I remember when I started acting first, I was going to take my mother's maiden name, which is Rooney. Nancy's maiden name is Rooney. And I thought it had a ring to it, the Baz Rooney. Baz Rooney, yeah. But but I felt like it wasn't me, you know. I I think there was an element of wanting to fit in, you know, and it it was kind of betraying who who I am, you know. So I kept kept a schmowy. Did you... I mean, when when you, because you talked before, and you've talked on this show before as well about, I suppose, getting more in touch with your heritage, your father's side of the family, as mm. it were. I mean, was there ever a time that you kind of thought, God, maybe I should embrace the Ahmed? Yeah, well, I I think that like I've done I've done shows on Islam and returning to that and everything, but I think everyone goes through a stage of identity crisis of who am I and you know where do I come from and all that, and they're looking for big answers, but usually the answers are quite simple, really, you know, um, just because you're half Egyptian doesn't mean like I always had that that battle of. You know, in Ireland, I wasn't fully Irish. And then in Egypt, I wasn't seen as fully Egyptian. So you're this kind of lost soul a little bit of, what well, you know, what am I? But then after a while, you realise what dual nationality is and what it means to be um, multi-ethnicity. And, and, and you take little bits and they're not, mm. despite what people think, they're not that dissimilar. They yeah. have dissimilar, you know, they're quite family-based cultures. Um, they're, they're good. Take, take drink out of it. And, you know, they're, they're similar. There's a, there's a big overlap. Yeah, an obsession with explosives. Uh, yeah. no, but but there's, <laughs> it just seems to be, there's a lot more in common than there is um, is not in common. You know? uh, did that, uh, I suppose, feeling of having maybe a foot in both worlds but belonging in neither, how long did that follow you around? I think it just takes a while. I suppose... It, or it's, sorry, it, maybe it, I should ask, when did you first really become aware of it? I think it's... It's like a representation thing. You hear people talk about this all the time and it's kind of people sneer at it sometimes. But sometimes you're looking for people that represent you. But if you never see it, you know, if you don't see it on TV or you don't see it in front of you or, you know, it it makes you feel kind of isolated, you know. And at that time in Ireland, Ireland was very different. Now... Like I've said it before, my kids are mongrels. My kids are are, are quarter Irish, quarter Egyptian, quarter Irish, quarter Serbian. They have a Greek Orthodox nanny. They have a Roman Catholic mother or um, granny, and they have a Muslim auntie. Like, and they go to school and they just they don't see any of it, which is 
That's an amazing turnaround in 30 years. see it? Like, no. As in, no. 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 That generation just accept that as reality. I, it's great. Like, yeah. it's it's amazing because it was so highlighted when I was growing up. And even, I'm even talking about things like disability, you know, like children who might have um, additional learning and things like that. It's not like it was. It's not like it was in the 80s or 90s, you know, where, you know, nothing was mentioned. Now, now the kids are very educated on it. You yeah. know, they, they understand. It's good. It's a much better place. They can educate some of their parents. Yeah, uh, well, this I'm is sure. hate breeds hate. You know, this is the thing, you know, a lot of the time. Um, I mean, given how different it was at the time, and I'm, I remember my own school days, there was a hospital, a, a local hospital near our school. So you would always get the kids of doctors who were in the hospital yeah, for a yeah, while. Yeah. So. Like we would have always had maybe one or two kids every year, but they might have only been there for a year. Yeah. But it was, but it was a real. Uh, there were there was a real difference. A real, you know, here's all the kind of we are the kind of the permanent fixture in the school. All of us white mm. Catholic mm. Irish kids, mm. and then kind of Amul is here for the year, but Amul will be gone again. And I suppose there was maybe a bit of a kind of a, an exotic fascination with these kids when they came. But um, I think that's natural because you're talking about a small island. Yeah. You know, I think even as a kid, if you ever went to London, your first time in London was an eye opener. Right. Because it was so is so integrated and so many different races out there, you know, um, while Ireland just wasn't that at the time. But but now it is it is different. You know, it is like I didn't have any mixed race. My, my friends are all, you know, are traditionally Irish. You know, it is that thing of, you know, um, you don't look very Irish was what I used to get a lot. But now I suppose the question is, well, what does Irish look like to you? you Did know, you get a hard time in school over it? No, like my mum put it great. Like she was like, if you were ginger and you had glasses, they'd be focusing on that. You know, you got curly hair and you got a weird name. There's a Darwinian element do, do you know, school. Like, like, like some, sometimes you can, you can, you better choose in life what you want to get offended about. There's a nature at the moment of getting offended by everything. You, you won't get up in the morning. You just like choose like take your moment and choose what you want to get upset about because in in general I, my attitude is just just get up and it's and funny go. you say that about like people wanting to be offended by everything and it's a little bit of it it's, it's just this victimhood culture because it came up in a conversation I was having today there was a survey about uh, people feeling hard done by in work parents versus non-parents and it turns out they all feel hard done by the parents feel hard done by compared to the non-parents and vice versa and I, <laughs> I just read this and I thought Everyone is obsessed with being a victim of something. Absolutely. Like, if, 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 do you know what's as funny is? Because it all stems from childhood a lot of the time, right? So people have these memories of their childhood and these traumatic moments that happened. But if it, that's just one perspective. So that child has a perspective. And then the parent at that time who was out there working and, and living and trying to provide for a family, they have a perspective. And somewhere in the middle is the truth of, you know, of a situation, you know. And um, you can just get fixated you know, and that victim, being a victim, is sometimes just need to be careful you don't become brittle. Yeah. Like, I wonder sometimes, like, if I didn't kind of have these obstacles growing up, would my personality have been very different? Like, I used humour and I used bonding and I used, um, I, my attitude was always, well, if I can laugh at myself better than you can laugh at me, then what can you really take from me? Yeah. And they, these were little disarming tools I used to kind of navigate socially. Uh, and, but if I didn't have that, would I be a different person? These are the questions you yeah, ask yourself. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we're told your kids, their personality, they'll settle on their own personality. And really your job as a parent is to make them, what is it, adaptable and resilient. Those mm. are the two things you want to do. Mm. And 
like I, I kind of think I'm like failing miserably in that regard <laughs> creating these resilient children <laughs> I, not. I'm not sure I am but I mean is is that something because I've said it to another dad the other day at this, on the sidelines of the pitch you know we were having this deep conversation <laughs> um, and he just said well that's just society like he says we are we are raising an entire generation of kids who have no resilience I, I, it is the worry you know I, even my, I was with my eight year old last night and like she needs She's looking for two Halloween costumes, you know, one for the day in school, another. And, I'm dealing and, with this and, as well. And yeah. I know, <laughs> I know in my head how spoiled she is, and I try not to, but I suppose it's just that inherent thing that you want yeah. to provide for your children. But, but are you taking things away from them by doing that? You know, yeah. are, you know, it's it's a it's a tough line to walk sometimes with them. Does your mother? do what my mother does and she makes comment to the children that's directed at me my god you've a you've a lot of teddies here don't you you have an awful lot of teddies in this room don't you, you know. my mum's gone there must, the... there must be new ones since the last time I was here yesterday you know, my, my mum's obsessed with, with you know like if I walk in in a shiny pair of new trainers my mum will be obsessed about what they cost but funny with the grandchildren I did this I was trying to teach one of my kids at the 11 year old about saving so I said look whatever you save at the end of the year I'll double it right but you have to say and next thing I look at her, her post office account and her bank account and she's got a lot of wedge in there and she, I didn't know she, like Nancy He's been bankrolling her, so I was. <laughs> do you know that? Like I was like, I couldn't get any money out of you growing up. But like, where's this all come from? So it's it's um, her. She's kind of chilled out a bit. She was she was a tough mum, but she's a very chilled out granny. Like in fairness to her, you know. Uh, I do. I do want to sound like we're kind of keynote speakers at the Tory conference or something, because mm. Boris was droning on about cancel culture. But do you think a little bit of the victimhood thing is allowed to blossom because we're a little afraid of of you know, accusing somebody of that, of maybe wallowing in, in, in self-pity. There's a little bit I, I, of kind of wanting to acknowledge everyone's hurt. I just, it's it's that thing of like, yeah, you've got to relearn how to navigate yourself through society now, right? Things are different. And for, for my generation, we've got to, like I've learned a lot over the last five years even. But you have to make sure that your children aren't brittle. You know, this is the thing that you're not creating. Yeah, there's people out there who aren't nice. There's You don't want to be a mug, you know. Like, people are going to say nasty things to yeah. you, you know. There, there's a certain level. Like, I've we have four girls, two boys in our house. And the girls, you know, I, I, you're, I'm trying to, you know, um, make them strong and, you know, uh, independent. But, but they buy and sell the boys. Like, they really would buy and sell the boys. They're just completely different personalities. Young boys are saps, though, like, aren't they? They're, like, just, they're, they're so naive. Like, it's, it's, it's like just they just don't have... They mature <laughs> much faster than girls. Like, I was yeah. saying it to someone else recently. Like, uh, uh, you know, you'll never see a girl, you know, wiping the kitchen counter with a slice of ham and eating it, right? Likewise, you'll never see a girl with a marble stuck up her nose. She, they're just not stupid, you know, while boys have a certain <laughs> level of stupidity that is just genetic in yeah. them, you know. I think you've met my son and daughter, maybe, Baz. <laughs> uh, Baz Ishmawi is my guest this week on the Thursday interview, if, if you're just uh, tuning in. Listen, we were talking about the, the, the upbringing and, and the experience in school and all of that. At what point... During all of that, did you think, you know what, I want to be on a national stage. I want to be on television. I did drama as a kid. It was, it was, uh, my mum made me do it from the age of like 11 and, and uh, it gave me confidence and I liked showing off on stage and I liked acting and I liked doing that. I wanted to kind of pursue it in later life and um, I started training in it and then 
decided that I wanted a real job. I wanted to earn money um, and off I went. And that's what I did. I got into sales for years, but it was something that was gnawing at me. And I remember I was in recruitment in London and I remember thinking, I can't, like, you know those jobs where you dread, all you think about at night is going into that job the next day. It was and this- you kind of fantasized about like, Something awful happening in the office. And it would every, burn down overnight. Everyone, yeah, everyone was congratulating me because I was working in London. I was earning good money, and I had a suit, and I was reading the Times on the on the on the Lewis on the underground. And you know, I felt like, oh, I've arrived. I'm a grown up, but I was so miserable. I was just, I just hated it. And then I made the decision that I was going to come back to Ireland, and I was going to give myself. I had a certain amount of savings, and I was going to give myself a certain amount of time to try and pursue, at the time it was acting is what I wanted yeah. to get into, but it, the way that you're a million different people in your life and the, the path led down a different alleyway yeah. and um, I started uh, doing presenting, you know. And like how low can you go is, I suppose, the first big thing people would associate. And I remember watching it, but I remember, it's funny because I always remember watching that and maybe the first or second episode realising I'd seen you before and it was from the cosmetic surgery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A couple of years before yeah, that, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing theatre and then uh, one of the producers that was doing that show uh, actually afterwards came to me and asked me would I, would I do um, would I do Hello, Can You Go or would I audition for it? Yeah. And I went and auditioned for it and that's how that came about, you know. The the cosmetic surgery show, you had your ears pinned, was that mm, it? Ears done, yeah. Was that something that had always bothered you? It was something that I'd built up in my head that I thought, you know, if I get this done, I'll feel different about myself. And then... And did you? N- not massively, because <laughs> it was a bigger thing in my head than it was a physical thing, you know, and it didn't... It, it, it didn't make a massive difference to me, you know. Yeah. But, but it's... Sometimes that's what it is. That's the crutch of self-belief and confidence. And you think it's something that gnaws at you. So if there was something that upset you that you're unhappy with, you should change it. You should, you're entitled to do that, you know. Um, but for me, yeah, I did. I, I had no regrets doing it, but it, it didn't. Um. Isn't it funny, though, that there's such a hang up about changing something about your appearance Certain things about your appearance, but not other things. You could change your hairstyle and mm. people wouldn't think it's strange. You could actually get a version of cosmetic surgery, braces in your teeth, mm. and people wouldn't bat an eyelid. Yeah. They think I, nothing of it. I think it's but more... Yet, it's uh, more your nose or your ears or your jaw or your, something like that. I think that's all down to vulnerability. I think you feel stupid. You feel vain or you feel um, not confident in yourself to admit something like yeah. that. Like that's not something I've ever really admitted or talked about because there'd be a part of me that would be embarrassed. Um, but but at the time I wasn't. At the time I was happy to kind of do it. And um, and yeah, so I'd, I'd have an attitude now, of, like if someone was feeling like something was... Um, getting in the way of their confidence that they should pursue whatever they want to make them feel better about themselves. Mm. But the thing about cosmetic surgery is you just need to be careful, you know, because it's changed now. It's become this much bigger thing, right, where you worry sometimes you see very young people having um, a lot of cosmetic surgery, and that kind of scares me a bit, you know. They probably don't see um, their natural beauty as such, you know, especially... It's boys and girls, but in particular with women, you know. And I suppose the fear you might have as well is that they change this thing about their appearance and actually that all they were doing was projecting. 
Yeah, that, 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 you know, right, for you it wasn't a big thing, but let's imagine it was this huge hang-up you had yeah. about something you're physically... And yeah. then you change it and you realise, God, no, like, I, I still feel miserable about how I look. Yeah. I still have no confidence yeah, in the world. Sometimes it's a lot, of, a lot of it is to do with your head rather than your physicality. So you need to be careful that it's not that, you know. Um, so listen, we mentioned how low can you go and that did open all of these other doors and 50 ways to kill your mammy and everything else, mm. which was such a huge success. How did your mother find that? Like, she, does, does, does she wear that coat comfortably? The coat of celebrity, if we'll call just, it that. It's uh, with my mother. It's a cape, and and it just she didn't change. Like she was the exact same person before. Like that uh, reality TV has this kind of um, uh, poison about it, where you know a lot of the people who want to be on reality TV. I say this as someone who started in a reality TV show, but they want to be there. Yes, my mum never wanted to be on TV. Like I, I kind of dragged her onto it, and that was the gift of it that was the genius of it she was just someone who was just being herself so when celebrity came on her she she just just warmed to it like she's just herself How so exactly what you see on TV and funny it's advice that she gave me years ago that I always kept mm. is I, you can't be everything to everyone so you might as well just be you and some people are like it and some people won't but at least you'll be you Rather than transform into TV bars and then real bars is a completely different person, you know. And my mum is the same. She's like when people meet her, she's exactly the same. Like, you know, she's um, and she deals with it very well. People are very sweet to her. Yeah, you know, they they. I don't know what it Maybe it's the Irish mammy. Maybe it's that connection of they know someone who's like her. They remind her. She reminds them of their nan or, or their mum's their friend's mum or something, you know. But I've had like I've been in my mum's house during the summer and there'll be a knock on the door and I'll open it and there'll be like 20 kids at the door. And I remember the first time it happened, I was like, because I grew up in that house, which is in Dublin, uh, I was kind of like, what you want? <laughs> and, and they were like, is Nancy there? And I was like, who's asking? Uh, her biggest fan, you know, and they brought all their cousins who are up Brilliant. from the country, you know, and she, and she goes out and she does selfies with them. And she, you know, she's sweet. She's great. She's what, exactly what she is. You that, that you can't be all things to all people and just accept that some people will like what you're doing and some people yeah. uh, won't like it. And by extension, I suppose, because of the society we live in, won't like you. Uh, does that bother you? I mean, the I've, kind I've, of the... I, I'm 46 now, so yeah. I've had many, many years to come to terms with it. So I've learned how to deal with it. Did it take it. you many years to yeah, come to terms with it? Yeah, it takes a long time. See, what you don't realise is people wish they want to be on TV or they want to be uh, famous or they want to... Uh, and then they don't think the repercussions is that, you know, people are going to say things. If you put yourself out into the public domain, then people are going to comment. And yeah, like, everybody knows it. You could get a hundred comments saying how great your show was and that... Just takes one. one, just takes one with a dagger. And all you'll focus on is that one. Like people like Jerry Ryan. I remember when I just started started off, people were, a couple of journalists were going at me. And I remember Jerry just saying to me, I was going, I'm going to do this and that. And he was just like, no, just don't feed the beast. Just just learn to learn to navigate it. And was the best advice because it's just one person, you know. Like And like I say, not everyone is going to like you. What, do you expect the whole world to like you? Like, that's just never going to happen. Yeah. You know, like Jonathan Ross said in an interview before, if like half the people who watch your show don't hate you, you're doing great. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it's easy to say it. Though. Like, I want, it, it, are you completely, have you completely come to terms with it now? Or like, or are there times like, you're like, kind of, there's times you're on your you own just, you, you might read something or read a comment or, you know, it'll occupy your head for a while. But, 
I'm very happy in where I am. I like I, I my family take up a lot of my time. My work, I get up and I love what I'm doing. You know, I really enjoy it. So yeah, you see a comment, yeah, it's gonna sting. But but a lot of people when I walk down the street, people are very sweet to me. I remember walking with someone else, um, who's in the public eye one day, and I was just amazed how much um kind of abuse they were getting you know yeah. they're just not abuse but just nasty comments or shouts and things like that I, I, I've never had that touch wood yeah. you know I'm sure I walk into places and people go oh, it's your man but but I've never had it like the, most of the people that I meet on the street or they beat me or whatever they're very sweet they're very nice they're, yeah. very, they're very nice to me so I'm very lucky in that sense you know? and five minutes with your family puts everything in context yeah like really like when you like I'm doing a show DIY SOS at the moment like you know you know you do things like that it gives you a lot of perspective you know you can wallow in it it's it's that famous um, to quote my mammy you have too much time on your hands <laughs> too much time on your hands will let you wallow in stuff that doesn't deserve your attention you know well listen we wish you the best of luck with the show and the podcast the good the baz and the ugly yeah thanks well. very much yeah uh, listen it's been a pleasure uh, really nice thanks a million Karen Baz Ishmawi my guest this week for the Thursday interview and don't worry if you want to listen back to any of that or share it it'll be up on the uh, News Talk app powered by Go Loud in Jig Time. That is our lot for today's edition of The Hard Shoulder. Off the ball, they're up next and I'll be back tomorrow from four. Have a good one.